Hey everyone, I'm Rachel. And I'm Jen, and welcome to Devilish Bookworms, the podcast. Where we read and review books and release episodes every Tuesday. This week, we have The Daughters of Block Island by Krista Carmen. Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Better late than never. (laughs) I was munching Um, on a Krabby Patty. (laughs) It is okay. So what we have this week is a book based in Massachusetts, which if you haven't noticed, we are assholes. Made me so happy. As soon as I read the description, I was like, oh shit, it's really based in mass. Like, yeah, we gotta read it. Gotta read it. Also, that's not even like the only one. We had, we were on a, a kick accidentally. We didn't even realize we were doing it. Yeah. But we were reading books privately that were set in mass. We were reading books for the pod that was set in mass. Yeah. there. I was reading Hooked, but actually we both we're reading hooked um and what was the other one that we were reading that uh oh god i can't remember now there was another one yeah there was anywho's anyways um so this week what we have is two sisters that actually don't even know that they are related that somehow their lives are going to intertwine and i i love this concept because it's obviously been played out over and over again but the fact that you can do it so many different ways and still come out with a completely different story is where i love it so we have blake bronson she receives a letter while she is living in boston and she finds out that she has a mother and a sister that live on block island So she makes her way over there so she can actually meet them. But the strange thing is, when she goes to look up the uh, the name of her sister, she finds out that the day after she sent her letter, she has died. Uh, So she ends up going to the island to talk with her mother and try to find out what happened to her sister. So when Blake gets to the island, she goes to this mansion uh it's a bnb it's called whitehall and it's kind of like this creepy looking crazy murdery type of place where you just don't want to be like it's non-stop raining there it just looks like all things horror kind of like how ooh, what was that uh red rum what was that movie? The Shining. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so kind of like how The Shining looked. I mean, it looks like it's neat and great, but it just like also looks sketchy as fuck. So she pulls up at this place. She checks in and she immediately gets like a weird vibe while she's there. And she doesn't know what's wrong, but she's she'll soon find out that there's just a error about the place that seems spooky. A little bit later, she meets her mother 
and her mother denies that she's even her daughter and basically says get out of my face and go home go back to wherever you're from go back to Whitehall and she writes her sister a letter telling her what happened and then dun 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 she dies and then there's a part two explaining who actually killed her Rachel what did you think of this book so listen everyone I am of the opinion that just because a book is not for me doesn't mean it's not a good book right so this author specifically has won awards this book has you know has had rave reviews it was not for me it was not even a little bit for me I'm going to throughout the the course of this pod this podcast episode I'm going to deliver reasons why this book was not for me partially because you know I want to make sure that we have a a thorough review right that's why we're all here to talk about books but also I want you to keep in mind that this is why this book is not for me now other people might love it that's great I'm totally not telling you not to buy it however I'm not the audience (laughs) and honestly I was the one that suggested this book there was something about it that captivated me just by the thought of you know having two separated siblings come together and something tragic happened like it sounded really good and especially you know the whole Massachusetts thing but listen this book wasn't for me either (laughs) (laughs) Um, it had some aspects that I really loved about it but I just wish it was done a little bit differently and I think I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I feel as though let's just let's just get into it. The way that the book was written was there's a prologue where Talia, the sister Talia, receives a letter from Sister Blake, and Blake has been on the island. Blake is the one that was adopted, and she you know, is the one that has gone to Block Island to meet her mom and all of these, you know, things, this this little adventure. So Talia receives Blake's letter. Then Talia Googles and realizes that Blake has been murdered. Okay. Then we go straight into chapter one where Blake has arrived on the island and is looking for her mom. Whatever. So then the entire chapter one through the middle of the book is ta- is Blake's story. And then Blake dies, which you know from the prologue, so that's not a spoiler. So chapter one through the middle of the book is all Blake's story. Then middle of the book to the end of the book is Talia's story. After Blake has died, Talia comes back to the island But my problem with that format is the fact that we receive all of the answers. Well, there's two. There's two things that I have a problem with that. We receive all the answers up front. Why do I care? What Talia comes back to the island to look for the cause of Blake's death, but we know the cause of Blake's death. I mean, there's there is a killer that we don't find out until the end of the story, but 
We know what happened with with Blake. We read it. So I don't care what happens now. So I feel as though just simply switching it to where Talia gets the letter. Then Talia goes to the island. Uh, You know, Talia gets the letter. She finds out Blake is died. Then she goes to the island. And now we don't know what happened. We have no idea. We're on this ride just just as much as Talia is. And then at the end of the book, if she wants to find like, I mean, I guess if you wanted to like say a journal or something, but then you could have Blake's story. You could even do it literally if they just cut the book into the three parts, prologue, first part, second part, and flop the two, I wouldn't even be mad at that. I still wouldn't love it, but I wouldn't even be mad at that because it was just like, we literally got all of the pertinent information up front. Do you feel the same, you think? I do. Uh, because it it was like, as soon as you figure out how she dies, you know who the killer is. Or at least, you know, you can assume who the killer is. The fact that she gave so much so quickly was, it was definitely off-putting. There was no buildup, you know? There was nothing to get you excited because you already got the excitement like the first 10 pages well and especially in a book that is very much in your face about trying to be a gothic novel like you can't have suspense and the creepy and the macabre and all of this build up and all of this stuff when you're literally over explaining every single every single detail and i come with receipts so (laughs) (laughs) oh i love that (laughs) <laughs> so i'm glad to hear though that you that you were of the same opinion because i was literally sitting here like are you fucking kidding me i actually i was pretty disappointed with how she did that because i thought it was going to be like you know a trick or you know mm-hmm. some sort of like oh we're gonna spin it or something like that but no like it was very cut and dry just here's the info exactly what here's you thought it was yeah yeah there you go <laughs> you know what else i thought so kind of along the same line i'm gonna read a paragraph with my notes okay, okay. because when i say that things are weirdly over explained and like weird there there's so okay there's so much introspection in this book that it's not, we're not even reading the book. We're reading characters' reactions to things. Like, we're not even reading a story. You know what I mean? And so I'm going to I'm gonna read a paragraph with my notes in it, just so that you can see exactly what I'm, what I'm talking about. So the, it says, Ethel doesn't seem the sort. Martin's right about that. But, like, in all fairness, how would you know? Like, you don't know who Ethel is. You just met her. And, like, of course, yeah, you can get vibes off of people. But, like when you think that you know someone when you just met them is a little weird right right (laughs) so then it goes then it goes sure there was something hard beneath the librarian's timidity but blake doesn't imagine that hardness is used to gossip about her neighbors again how would you know that you don't know she maybe she is a town gossip you have no idea still martin has given hours of his day to help her and she won't repay him by arguing telling ethel who she was 
would have had no bearing on what the woman said. Now that their outing is over, the inevitable return to Whitehall slices into her like a razor. She wishes she could teleport to her apartment in Boston for the night, then return in the morning, shaken free from the chain of events she feels so wrapped up in. A part of her is grateful for Eileen and Martin's involvement, for the assistance of Timmy Graham and Ethel Gilbert Brown. But another part is confused as to how she became entangled with so many inhabitants of the island so quickly. Maybe because of the fact that you refuse to talk to your freaking mother. Like, I, okay, I am not adopted as far as I'm aware. And I understand that there are, of course, going to be people who, when upon meeting your birth parent, is going to panic. You might, like, some people might be wicked excited. Some people might have so much trepidation. Like, I understand, like, if you're on your own and you're doing this by yourself in a city that you don't know with a woman you've never met before, I can understand that oh crap, I can't do this. I have to leave. What I can't understand is recruiting every single person who lives in the town to help you find out about your mother. It like, I, that was so weird to me. And then, and then it goes, she, has she really made progress in getting closer to her mother or has she only complicated things further? I mean, like, your mom was right there, but instead of talking to her or like going back to the place and then coming back, you know, like maybe, maybe leave and then come back when you're more comfortable. Instead of doing that, you recruit every person on the island and then you complain that everyone else is involved. Yeah, I understand to a certain extent. She was also recovering and that may have changed her normal way of going about things if she had been more stable but at the same time it, her whole personality was just like all over the place it was i don't know it was just a little annoying uh, she she always needed someone to be her crutch whether that be martin eileen even uh at one point when she was in the bar she was she was using the lady as the, to not drink so, I mean, it's like every person, including her girlfriend, she was using to do her work for her. And she wasn't the one with the girlfriend. Talia was the one that had the girlfriend. I thought they both had girlfriends. Did they? I thought so. Listen, like, the characters started to blend after a while. I couldn't figure out who the fuck was who <laughs> at some points. I was like, okay, is, is it Talia or is it Blake? Because at one point, they even say that Blake uh, has Talia's name. Uh, so it was like Blake Talia Bronson. So it was just like, wait a second. What? Like, uh, this mother gave both of her daughters the same exact name. At, and... I, after a while, I was just like, they even have like the same personality and I just, I can't. Literally because of the fact that like the book jumped from one perspective to the next to the next, uh, Jen and <laughs> Jen, I got a, I got a text from Jen and she was like, am I reading this right? And I was like, yep, no, you're totally reading it right. Because the upon the first read through, it didn't read Talia's perspective, Blake's perspective, Talia's perspective. Uh -uh. I thought that it was that person A, that Blake, is the one that received a letter about her sister. And then the first part was Blake, and then the second part was Talia. And then I couldn't understand why, in Blake's point of view, 
she was so upset about the fact that her mom had another daughter because I was like, you received a letter that your mom had another daughter, but no, that was the other sister. <laughs> and see that that's where I kind of got confused. I was like, wait a second. Now she's talking. Uh, uh, there was a, another point where she, she had the birth certificate and I was like, your sister sent you the birth certificate and then i found out <laughs> and i was like oh wait i've got it backwards she sent her the birth certificate and i oh my god i was so confused yeah no it was so bad and then so like to go back to the to go back to the recovery bit so i mean i i i feel like we all have especially in massachusetts we all know and love someone who has been in some sort of recovery in their life you know what i mean um and not even just a mess in in everywhere in general but um i understand the using people as a crutch so like i got that but to me it was just it was so thrown in your face every so life with an addict as as you know people who have been with addicts know is usually all about the addiction i understand that yeah. you know what i mean whether it's you know thinking about the addiction trying to stay away from the addiction being in the midst of the addiction like there's there's i understand that that is the in the forefront of everyone's mind but the way that it was written was so it was so constant and it was so like repetitive. So, so so something that I kind of would have liked to have seen was instead of every other paragraph being like, um, you know, my addiction, this addiction, this, oh, that person reminds me of my sponsor. Oh, that time that I sold my body for crack. Like instead of all of those, like if there was something subtle, so say like hypothetically, like there was a tin in her pocket that she used to keep coke in or there was like a bottle where she used to keep pills in okay so say that that was in her pocket but it was empty and it's just kind of a reminder of like you know of the addiction it's it's a sim symbolic um instrument of the um addiction itself right and then every time she feels anxious or every time she feels like she's kind of jonesing a little bit every time she's a little uncomfortable she's on un she's unsteady she's wary any of those things like she taps the the tin or she like you know grabs the bottle or something something some kind of a physical representation of her addiction right so that would be a to me more realistic because it was almost like when you're <sighs> in the midst of something like that you don't think like that you're not like oh my sponsor blah 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 or oh remember that time when I was like you know sleeping on the street like you think of like the only thing you're thinking of is that thing so to me it would have been more realistic to tap the bottle or tap the tin or grab the bottle yeah like even just like swirling the bottle in your hand I I, I get it yeah because it was almost like you're almost grasping that thing but you don't quite right it's kind of like uh you know how you wear rubber bands and you snap it every time you get an uh an urge to want to smoke or something yes so i get it absolutely get it i don't think it's an issue to talk about addiction and i don't think it's an issue to have little quirks that come with addiction i mean you and i have personally dealt with people that have addictions or have had addictions whether they have passed or are still with us so we know how volatile the situation can be with an addict 
and someone who's going through their 30 days of sobriety that's like a very volatile area like time frame like the first 30 days are usually the roughest all right so the fact that she kept going with like the the constant reminders like of oh i have an addiction like we as the readers understand that you've said it enough times for us to understand that blake has an addiction issue she has an alcohol issue and she's struggling and that's fine but like you said like the the little things like touching a bottle touching a a metal tin those would be great moments just to throw in there or snapping a rubber band like those things i can totally see but to put her constantly just like in a situation of okay you're given a bottle of wine but she refuses to give it up fine absolutely understand that most people in as an alcoholic would struggle with giving it back Mm -hmm. but to put her in a bar just to come up with a, a set of rules that she didn't even follow just kind of like it made no sense like you used her addiction to give another character a storyline that didn't need to be there you didn't have to bring the other character in there or the other two characters that were in the same scene they didn't need to be there they didn't need to have their story told they didn't need to have anything to do with the rules coming about on don't get into the bathtub during a storm or uh stay inside when it's raining or whatever it may be like whatever the rules were like her addiction had nothing to do with that she could have brought a character in and not been like oh i have an alcohol problem so i need to go into a bar and i need to get this lady to stop me from drinking and she's drunk so she needs to tell me all these rules that i need to follow that are going to end up in my demise i don't know if that makes sense it does i almost read it like um because what what jen's talking about is um she goes into this bar it's a small town so it's alluded to the fact that everyone in small towns and on islands have drinking problems because of the fact that like what else are you gonna do um and so she's in this bar and there are people who are drunk and like she's asking them for help and they're basically telling her like okay well things you don't do in a gothic novel which is another problem that i had with this story was the fact that you are told 55 times if you have to say multiple times i feel like i'm in a gothic novel guess what you're not in a gothic novel doesn't feel like it can you show me where it feels like you're in a gothic novel because you could have could have fooled me but anyway um so they're they're trying to tell her all of these things like you know don't go down this don't go downstairs don't be by yourself like all of these weird things and i just I felt as though they were ways that the sisters could have been connected, you know, like, cause both sisters were very list based. So like where the sister is like, okay, well, this is what happens when in the courtroom, you have these rules that you follow when you're trying to manipulate a judge or a jury or whatever the case may be. So one of the sisters has that the other sister has, um, 
the rules to not die in a gothic novel that I didn't realize we were in, but okay. I feel like that scene was used to kind of like to connect the sisters and to connect like the story, but it didn't translate for me, if that makes sense. I know it didn't translate for me because it just, it seemed like you were getting off track from where you needed to be because she was obviously not someone that exactly followed the rules obviously she was already in trouble she has drinking issues and like i i don't mean that those type of people don't follow rules if they have like an alcohol issue but at the same time she was such an alcoholic that she got behind the wheel she had an accident and she put someone in the hospital and she's going to uh court like you could have tied the sisters in right there her court case could have been the sisters law firm you know taking on the case or something like that and that could have been how they met or you know that could have been how she was introduced to her like oh hey I got this court case I gotta try against this girl that ran over this guy like you could have done that and it would have been so much better of a book Mm mm-hmm but it's not to say that there wasn't things that I didn't like. I, okay. I don't know if you caught it, but there was a, a couple of little Massachusetts facts that were brought into it. But my favorite was the fact that they brought in Lizzie Borden mm-hmm. and, you know, Fall River Mass. Woohoo. Yay. Lizzie Borden took an X, gave her father 40 wax. You know? <laughs> That's freaking cool. Like, I I love the fact that she brought little actual facts from Massachusetts into the book. But there was stuff that she could have very easily done differently. Yeah. Did you have a favorite quote? Absolutely not. See, I did. (laughs) I found one. I couldn't believe I found one, but I did. What is it? One of the characters sent talia and her mother a simple note and they were very like vague one just said like my sympathies and the other one had said is it harder to love something you have lost or to lose something you have never had and i i did like that i really liked that Mm -hmm. It, it was a good quote so there was something I liked. <laughs> no, that's cute. That's a cute one. It's like that phrase, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of what I got from that. Yeah, no, that I got that too. I think that I just hated so much what the sentences said that I couldn't appreciate how beautifully they were written. And they really were written beautifully. She she is a beautiful writer and sure i would read other stuff from her i just hated this one so desperately and i know that that's such a crappy thing to say no one ever wants to say that like you know like makes it may it even makes me feel gross saying it but like it, i didn't like it not even a little bit there was a part so uh, by this time everyone knows how much i hate when things are over explained and when i say that this book was over explained i mean every single sentence was over explained there was a part where one of the sisters where talia 
has now come into town and she meets up with her with her old best friend right and so she's staying at her old best friend's house and she's unpacking her suitcase and the old best friend is talking about how talia needs to get boots she needs to wear boots outside because it's snowing or raining or whatever whatever the fuck it is and so <laughs> and so she's like you have to wear boots and she's like i don't have boots like i brought i brought a certain number of outfits and she's like well that's the problem with you is that i understand you so i know you so well like you have outfits because you use your clothes as a crutch and like what are you hiding behind all this stuff right which is which is infuriating for me enough but then we get introspection from talia who goes oh she's so right i do use my clothes as a crutch and i really need to just let myself be more vulnerable and she just i can't i who talks like that no one okay i'm done i'm sorry it's okay it was very dry in my opinion it just you got too much information. It just was dragged out. It was just, it was very dry. Yeah. I hate to compare it like this, but I would rather sit there and eat like the chewiest overcooked steak possible and just sit there gnawing on it than read this book again. <laughs> I wish that I could, I wish that I could disagree. Like Rachel had said earlier, that just because this book wasn't for us doesn't mean that it won't be for you. I mean, if you like being shown and not told, <laughs> I, don't, I can't. <laughs> you like the whole show, don't tell. She did the whole tell, don't show. <laughs> Literally to the point where the biggest climax to me, to me in, in, Blake's story was her meeting her mom for the first time and it happens off page off page do you understand what that means that means she has gone through all of this will they won't they of are you going to meet your mom are you not going to meet your mom you're, you've dragged this out so long you've gotten everyone and their mother into the mix except for her and then you end the scene and pick back up with you end the scene at okay well here we go and then you pick back up with that was a disaster are you kidding me are you kidding yeah me? yeah sorry krista I'm so sorry Miss i'm Carmen. sorry <laughs> yeah sorry krista we didn't mean to go hard on your book but i just there there was just so many things i could have used improvements to just you had the storyline you had everything there everything could have been so much better but then it was just like fumbled when you get so much information all at once and when ideas it's like the worst possible case scenario for the worst possible things not only is it was it like over explained but then it was out of order like if you had if the book had not been explained so in depth like if every thought process hadn't been overthought and overthought and overthought and overthought and overexplained, then like maybe we could have dealt with the fact that it it was told in a weird order. If you had told it in a different order, maybe we could have. No, I couldn't have. I couldn't have. I literally when she went on and on about the clothes, I wanted to. <sighs> anyway, 
I, I can't believe I just went on another rant. I'm sorry. I'm trying to be more honest with these reviews this time around. New year, new us. You know what I mean? Like we've got new things going on. We have different. I know new year, new us. I can't believe I said that either. But, you know, <laughs> we're trying to improve the pod. We're trying to give new exciting things. And like uh, one of those things is I want to be more honest on the reviews. And not that we haven't been honest before, but I feel as though like I've, especially I, me, I have always um, wanted to not sugarcoat things, but like we're more reserved with some of our thoughts because of the fact that like writing is hard, writing is hard. And wherever you stand in, you know, traditional publishing or indie publishing, like if you finish a book, that is impressive. And that is awesome. And then you, you know, celebrate, Ooh, you know, um, but I also have to like reading the book. Right. So <laughs> I want to celebrate and I never want to, I never want to, you know, say bad things about someone's work, someone's baby, something that is so personal. It came out of your mind. It came out of your soul. You know what I mean? And I never want to, want to, uh, talk shit about that. But at the same time, Jesus Christ, <laughs> honestly like I don't even think of it as a horror book and I know that's it's considered a, a gothic horror but I just it wasn't I don't, I don't I was gonna say I don't see it it's there was nothing horrific about it besides the fact that the girl got killed like yes I feel bad but is that it like that that's the extent of the horror like <sighs> There was no macabre. There was no, there was no suspense. There was no, uh, you can't have suspense when every single thing is over explained to death. You can't have suspense if you already know what's going to happen in the first 10 pages. <laughs> right. I mean, end of story. Like I understand like, okay, let's go back to last week's book real quick. We know that person A was going to get murdered. Okay. But at the same time, the author gave us a whole whirlwind of emotion. She she went through different things to throw us off of who the killer was. She literally didn't tell us anything beyond the fact that this person died. Not how, not why, nothing. Like, she just gave us the brief boom. There it is. So we were in suspense. We had to be like, oh my God, wonder who's who the killer is. This one, it was just like, oh, well, okay. You read about her little stint on the island. And as soon as like you got through first, I think it was like two or three chapters, you knew who the fucking killer was. Like if you if you didn't pick up on it, like that's that's on you. <laughs> but I mean, it was blatant. It was there. And uh, I don't know. Now I went off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to not be the only one. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Because I was the one that chose this one or like desperately wanted it. And I was so disappointed. Like, I just, I wanted more. I wanted to not know everything right away and to be able to have some sort of like need to try to figure out who it was, not know who it was right away you know yep a hundred percent all right so this book was written by krista carmen and she is an author who lives in rhode island which hey hey new england hey <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and she has a website, which is KristaCarmen.com. And on there, she has links to all of her socials. Um, and she has she has her email up, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I don't know what that little book emoji is. Amazon, YouTube, and TikTok. She also has upcoming events. So she is currently on the Daughters of Block Island tour. I'm really sorry that we just tore the book apart. Um, <laughs> so January 17th, she'll be at Ashaway Free Library in Ashaway, Rhode Island at 6 p.m. January 24th, Barrington Books, Barrington, Rhode Island, 6.30. January 30th, North Kingston, Free Library, North Kingston, Rhode Island, uh, 6.30. Um, she also has another project, which is Something Borrowed, Something Blood Soaked, 13 Stories. Um... So the little blurb on this one is a young woman's fears regarding the gruesome photos appearing on her cell phone proved justified in a ghastly and unexpected way. A chainsaw wielding evil dead fan defends herself against a trio of undead intruders. A bride to be comes to wish that the door between the physical and spiritual world had stayed shut on All Hallows Eve. A lone passenger on a midnight train finds that the engineer has rerouted them toward a past she'd prefer to forget. A mother abandons a life she no longer recognizes as her own to walk up a mysterious staircase in the woods um i kind of want to read that (laughs) (laughs) um that sounds fabulous (laughs) anywho's yes like i said she is um an award-winning author um she's the bram stoker award nominated author um she also has links to where you can find interviews um, that she has done so absolutely check her out um don't tell her that we that we uh you know read her book and put it on the podcast oh I'm really sorry gosh <laughs> oh lord well folks since we just left you on that <laughs> next week we have a very popular trending book we broke down Oh, yeah, we did break down. We, guys, we caved. We, okay, we try not to do, like, the, the super trendy books that are, like, everybody's doing. Because everybody's doing them. And that's just not fun. Your voice gets lost in the mix, you know? Yeah, and I'm sorry, but we decided we were going to cave this time. Because this one just sounded way too good to pass up so we are reading a court of thorn and roses by sarah moss yay yay so also like i saw online she is coming out with seven new books this year her fingers are gonna fall off i don't wish that upon her but could you imagine no i couldn't (laughs) in one year no i i can barely even imagine writing one book because i'm I'm not like that. I can imagine reading 50 books. I can imagine <laughs> reading 100 books. I can't imagine writing seven books in a year or one. So <laughs> <laughs> that's just me. Yeah, I don't know. I always I I've never really been one to read the popular books when they come out. Like I know that it's, you know, apparently from the devil, but like <sighs> 
no i'll just say so uh, the the books that must not be named <laughs> i didn't read those at first i read those a couple books in right like so they uh, a few books had come out and then i started reading them and i loved them right so I usually don't because I don't know that they're going to blow up that much. You know what I mean? Like people say, oh, read this book. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I have a TBR that's 55 miles long. Yeah. So I just bought the seven hubs husbands of Evelyn Hugo because uh, it came out, what, two years ago. And I was told by a friend like, hey, you need to read it. And I was like, okay. So then I never got to it. <laughs> and I was like, if I don't read it now, I'm never going to. So I'm so bad at pick, at keeping up with the popular books. And so I was just like, I feel like we need to jump on. We need to jump on this bandwagon, I think. Well, especially because, you know, it, it's right up both of our alleys. It just, it works. So just like, uh, just like fourth wing. All right. I know we're not. You read that one, didn't you? I'm going to read it. It's, it's literally the next on my uh, TBR Mm-hmm. so let's well we know next week we're we're a little more up our alley so hopefully it will be a better review and then i'll be able to understand all of the all of the reels on instagram and all of the videos on tiktok i'm trying to like build up our our we're, we're crushing it in threads to be honest like on a personal level like you know even like a couple hundred is amazing like a couple hundred of people to engage with and and numbers don't necessarily matter they don't matter right but like when you build a community there's always someone to talk books to there's always someone to engage with you know what I mean and so like no numbers don't necessarily they don't necessarily matter but at the same time like you want to build your bookish community and so um I was <laughs> I was like going through all the videos and all the reels and stuff and I was like these are all Akatar. I don't know what any of this means who is this person <laughs> I've actually stayed far far away from anything anything that I see that pertains to it I click out of immediately I don't <laughs> want any spoilers I don't want to know anything I want to go into this blind and I am. <laughs> and I will be starting it shortly. Actually. Yes, me I'm probably, too. I'm going to jump back into Master of Salt and Bones. I'm not going to lie. But that, <laughs> I'm crushing that tonight. Nice. All right. Well, Jen, do you have any last thoughts? Um, don't hate us for this review you know yeah i'm sorry i'm just really excited about this year i'm really excited about this year because last year we were in the midst uh like we didn't start until june right we started the podcast in june and so the last like however many months we've been fully immersed in in you know books and you know the creative side of of everything and to be honest, like it hasn't always been easy, you know, like we have other things going on in life and sometimes it was a little stressful, but I'm so excited to just like dive in, you know, fully, <laughs> fully dive in um, to this because I just, I love the bookish community and um, I don't know, it's just, it's been really nice. So I'm, I'm excited to have a full year of it. Yeah. It's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, so exciting. 
<laughs> oh, I'm so exciting. I'm so excited. Oh my God. I'm so exciting. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. And um, yeah, like and subscribe and like comment and literally talk to us because we have so we have such um fun talking to all of the people on threads and and instagram um i'm i'm god awful at tiktok but we'll see what happens <laughs> you and me both i i don't do the tick of the talk the talk of the tick <laughs> so listen okay i i had to say it like that because i feel like i'm i don't know i feel like i'm too old school to say tiktok okay anyways tiktok on the clock all right everybody we will see you next week ready one two three Bye. bye